0: ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in yanfa'una wa Amongst the verses which we recited tonight is a very well-known verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And Allah says Qul in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam if you love Allah, فتبيعوني, then follow me. In other follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you, and Allah will forgive your sins. Following Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his teachings is actually the explanation of the Holy Qur'an. We recite the verses of the Qur'an, the words of the Qur'an, but without the explanation of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam it will be impossible for a person to be able to to derive benefit and lessons from the Quran Karim. Nowadays there is this type of mindset which has crept into our community and it needs to be remedied. And that is that is where and Rasulullah in fact he foretold that this would happen. He said a time will come in my ummah when a person will sit very comfortably on his seat and he will say Hasbuna kitabullah. The book of Allah is enough for me. I don't need to hear as well as the words of Rasulullah In order for us to understand the message of the Qur'an, we have to make ittiba' of Rasulullah and we have to believe in whatever he has left for us. Rasulullah ﷺ is told by Allah ta'ala in the Qur'an وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ so that you may explain to them. Allah has revealed the words of the Quran to Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam and the meaning and explanation of the Quran was also given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In fact, in a verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam there would be people who would try to entice you to move away from the message and the meaning of the Quran which we have presented to you. It is perhaps possible, not possible, but it is it seems to be the case that some people would want to entice you, to place you in fitna, that you may give a meaning to the Qur'an which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not willed. So to understand the Qur'an, we require the message of Rasulullah we require the ahadith of Rasulullah This, and, and, and once we heard it in this masjid also, there was, uh, after salah, the Imams after Salatul Maghrib, they quote a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam from the various uh, corpus of hadith, the various books of, of, of a hadith uh, enlightening us about the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and one person says, every time I just hear the hadith, why don't they talk of Quran? Billah. The, the statement, the, the, the motivation behind the statement is a, is a very defective one It's as if a person is completely cancelling and cutting out the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In fact one of the verses we recited yesterday In the second para Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, He mentions about the changing of the qibla When Rasulullah wa was instructed To now uh, For temporarily he was facing uh, Baytul Maqdis in Jerusalem And Rasulullah wa was yearning uh, To turn back to uh, Makkah Mukarramah and face the Kaaba When they came to Medina Munawwara And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says "Qad وَجْهِكَ We notice how your face is looking up, waiting for Jibreel to descend from the heavens with revelation that you can now face Makkah again. In it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الْقِبْلَةَ الَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا That there was a qibla that you were facing. But there's no mention about what that qibla was, what was the details. And that is only understood in the hadith. If a person rejects the hadith, he's unable to understand the meaning of this verse. It's impossible for him to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about. He's just going to have to uh, concoct or formulate something from his own side and falsely attribute it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is something very detrimental. So, respected brothers and, and sisters in Islam, the, the lesson and message for today is for us to align ourselves with the teachings of the Qur'an as it was explained by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How did it reach us? We say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that they should follow Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is not walking on the face of the earth with us. What are we supposed to do? He left companions and there were more than 100,000 companions when Rasulullah sallallahu left his dunya. But from the 100,000 there were only about 15 or 16 who were authorized by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to give religious verdicts and fatwa and to teach. Everyone was not a scholar. Every Sahabi was a pious Muslim and his Iman was sound and there are examples for us in every walk of life. But in terms of encompassing the detail and in-depth knowledge of Sharia, every Sahabi was not a, a scholar in that regard. So what happened to the other some hundred, some hundred, thousand Sahaba who were not scholars? What did they do? The answer is obvious. They were following the guidance of the scholars who Nabi sallallahu Alaihi wa appointed as their teachers whether it be Sayyidina Abu Bakr as siddiq Umar ibn al-Khattab Sayyidina Uthman Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu anhum Da'ashara mubashara Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud ibn Abbas and if I sit in this gathering and if we ask you to respond it will take much time but we're not going to get more than 20 names I can guarantee that and if we add another 80 and make it 100 still more than 100,000 are following the explanation given by scholars they're not taking the Qur'an and the hadith and willy nilly because we understand Arabic So whatever I feel that is the message No Many times a person reads something and he, and he misunderstands it He, he assume, assumes the literal meaning is what is intended But that's not the case So after the Sahaba The next generation The number of Muslims increased In the time of the people who met the Sahaba The numbers of Muslims increased drastically But the numbers of scholars If we ask the scholars and the congregation whoever's here to name them because it's no longer sahaba leave the four imams out the names of the scholars who are we going to say another three names, another four names Sufyan ibn Uyayna, Ikrima we're going to say the students of ibn Abbas, ibn Mas'ud a few names we perhaps heard, we haven't heard so the number of experts are not as well known as it was in the first generation however the number of muslims increased what were those millions of muslims doing was everybody taking the Qur'an and just saying, no, I'll, I'll do what I see fit and I can follow whatever I understand? No, no. They were following the qualified scholars who understood the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In order for a person to be a jurist in Islam, it's not a matter of, what is the new thing now, chat GPT, that you just type in the, the topic and it gives you a whole list of what Jalaluddin rumi would have said in, in, on this topic, what Imam al-Bukhari would have said, just type it in. No, no. These chat GPTs were already in existence in the form of human beings. Imam Abu Hanifa was greater than that. Imam Shafi'i was greater than that. Why do I say that? Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, who's the fourth of the four Imams, his student asks him that, Oh, my teacher, if a person knows 100,000 Ahadith with the chain of transmission to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, does he qualify to be a jurist? Imam Ahmad said, no. Imam Ahmad is a student of Shafi'i. Then he said, what about 200,000? I'm not talking of Bukhari Sharif, which has got uh, 7,000 or few, less than 10,000 a hadith. He said, what about 200,000? He said, no, how can he be a jurist? And in our minds, a person who knows 100,000 hadith in the terminology of academics is called a half of hadith. Imam Ahmad bin Hamal says, no, you can't be a jurist with 200,000. He went up to 400,000. Then he said, now perhaps, now he might qualify to be a jurist, a faqih." ...in the Arabic language. And Imam Ahmad says about al-Shafi'i... ...I've never seen a jurist and a scholar... ...well-versed with the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam... ...like Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i. Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i... ...was a student of Imam Muhammad ibn al-Hassan al-Shaibani... ...the student of Abu Hanifa rahmatullah alayhi. Can we imagine the, the caliber of this type of knowledge? And yet we find people today coming and saying what is this Hanafi-Shafi business? You know, رجال رجال. they are men and we are men. Yes, in masculinity perhaps, in the gender we might be the same. But as it is said about Rasulullah being a human being, Imam Abu Hanifa said, Muhammad is a human being, not like normal human beings. The emerald and the diamond is also a stone. But it's not the same as a normal stone My, b- Both might have the, the, the outward word of a stone But you can never ever compare the two One is much more valuable than the other Similarly, we say we amen and they amen, I can also read the translation of Bukhari And I can read the translation of this and that Respect brothers, who are we fooling? We don't have expertise in, this, in, the, in the sciences of sharia We can't recite the Quran without mistakes We can't re- understand the hadith in the language of Rasulullah We haven't got the linguistic qualifications to understand how these ahadith are applied. We do not understand the sequence of the revelation of the verses of the Qur'an or the sequence in which Nabi ﷺ transmitted a hadith. We do not even know what the scholars have to say about those ahadith. But we come across something. Oh, no, no. Imam Sab, why are you doing this? I saw this in Bukhari. If you ask Imam Bukhari's name, the Hazrat doesn't know Imam Bukhari's name. What uh, script are you using of Bukhari? He'll give you a color rather than the title or the edition of the book. So, respected brothers, we need to have some self-integrity, like we respect this, the fields of specialization for, of our doctors. When we go to a professor or a doctor for something, and he gives us advice, he tells us, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, then we say, you know, it's your field, you specialize in it, I'm not going to argue with you. I can't come with an article I read in the Reader's Digest in 1985, and say, I did this article, and, and it goes against what you are saying. So we need to have some self-integrity and self-respect, a field that we're not specialized in. Then we all have to respect the fields of specialization. This is what Rasulullah has taught us. In fact, it's a lesson that the infamous, you've all heard the name of the person, Napoleon Bonaparte, the French general. So he was in Egypt for a part of his uh, campaign. And he came to the Sheikh al-Azhar of that time. And he said that I heard that you Muslims say that you have an answer for everything in the Quran. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want the answer from the Quran. So the Sheikh said, okay, go ahead, ask your question. So he says, there's a bakery down the road, and they make a specific type of a loaf of bread. How much flour do they use to bake three loaves of bread? But I want the answer from the Quran. So the Sheikh al Azhar knew that he was up to some mischief. He says, okay, come tomorrow. This was also the quality of the scholars of the past. Not like instant, you know, responses. Today somebody sends you a question. uh, I saw this dream and this long dream. And my mother also saw a dream. I've got to prepare for Taraweeh. I must answer your dreams. So the Sheikh Al-Azhar says, come tomorrow. So when he comes the next day, the sheik tells him, okay, you need, for example, like one kilo of flour and this is how much sugar and whatever salt, this is what you need. So he says, where is it in the Quran So he says to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us ahla in kuntum la Ask the people of knowledge when you do not have knowledge So I went to the bakery, I asked the baker Listen, you're back. how much do you use when you're making three loaves of bread? And he told me exactly the ingredients and the measurements And this is why I gave you the answer this, The subtle message here is that we respect fields of speciality. Somebody is a doctor, somebody is an economist, somebody is an expert in business, he's got experience in his field, and we respect that field, and we go to them for advice in that particular thing. If I am a scholar, and I'm reading the Quran, but I need advice in my accounts, or there's something wrong, Saz is contacting me, Allah protect everyone from Saz. But Saz is contacting, so now you're not gonna go to the Muftizab and say, please give me a fatwa that I can give to Saz. There we go to the appropriate and suitable people qualified in that field. So similarly in matters of deen, respected brothers, my intention, may Allah forgive me, my intention is not to belittle anyone or to make anybody feel small. I am nothing. And all our imams, we know together we are nothing in comparison to the scholars of the past. Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam al we are nothing. But for us to acknowledge that the insignificance is important. We need to know as students of deen that we cannot compare our limited understanding to the contributions made by these giants. So even more so the people who are not in this field should then also at least bridle their tongues at least show some self-respect when it comes to the names of the pious scholars of the past Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to increase our knowledge of deen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make uh, the knowledge of deen part of our daily routine inshallah one of the things Rasulullah sallallahu was instructed to make dua for an abundance of was knowledge <inaudible> say oh Allah increase my knowledge we were never told increase my 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 wealth yes you can make dua for the, the but the instruction in the quran is for the abundance of of the knowledge of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify our hearts and make this ramadan a mubarak and blessed one inshallah let us spend our time in the remembrance of allah salutations upon rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, and i remind myself and all to renew our intention for tomorrow's fast, insha'Allah, for the first fast of the month of Ramadan, and we conclude making a and also saying the Shahada in the words that we normally recite at the end of our gathering during the month of Ramadan. Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, nastaghfirullah, nastaluka al jannata wa na'udu bika Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, nastaghfirullah. نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما اللهم ربنا تقبل منا صلاتنا وصيامنا وقيامنا وركوعنا وسجودنا وتسبيحنا وجميع اعمالنا اللهم تقبل منا القليل وسامحنا بالكثير ولا تؤاخذنا بالتقصير وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين الحمد لله رب العالمين